everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of the Bruise Day podcast. I'm Josh, and today I'm joined by Wes, Rob, and Andy. How's it going, guys? Hey, going well, Josh. How are good. you doing? Doing good. This week, we're going to talk a bit about the history and the rules surrounding beer advertising, uh, jump into some of our favorite commercials that uh, I'm sure you're all aware of, um, and round it out with a little bit of a discussion around the huge growth and sort of beer on social media, both brands and, and otherwise. We'll then jump into our big board and lightning round before finishing it off with a good, bad, or ugly. With that out of the way, cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 So today's cheers beer of the week is called Campfire Amplifier. It's a milk stout brewed with graham cracker, cinnamon, marshmallow, chocolate, and vanilla bean. A whole lot of stuff. It's brewed by a dogfish head out of Delaware. It's a 6.5% 35 IBU beer with a 375 average rating on untapped, just under 7,500 check-ins. They were shooting to make a beer that hopefully reminds you of eating a s'more. So with that in mind, how'd they do both from that standpoint and just in general, how you like this milk stout? I'll jump in first, Josh. It almost didn't taste like a beer to me at first. I got a very, you know, sometimes you find those like weird artisan sodas and someone makes like a chocolate soda. That's kind of the first taste I got with this one that it, it almost like didn't taste alcoholic. I got such a strong like chocolate flavor at the front. And then I really get that kind of graham cracker flavor at the end. And I, I can't say I found the, the, the kind of marshmallow to it yet, but I bet by the end I'll find it. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. So I actually had some s'mores last night. We uh, lit up a fire in the fireplace <laughs> wow. and had some s'mores. So I was really excited to give this one inside a try. s'mores. Inside s'mores. Wow. Yep. <laughs> this this beer, it's tasty. It's a little bit more mellow than I was expecting. Like I was expecting more sweet, more more flavor. Just with the notes that you called out, Josh. I'm I'm gonna say it didn't quite hit the s'more taste that I was expecting. Maybe it's because I had an inside s'more. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to go outside and have it over a campfire. Yes. Uh, but it does have, I, I, I do think that that graham cracker taste comes through. So I do agree with you there, Andy. The marshmallow is missing. And I do feel, I don't, I don't know that I picked up on the chocolate. See, that's so, that's so funny because I, first of all, Rob, I absolutely agree. I feel like it's super mellow. So I'm not really getting a whole lot of any of the flavors. But like the like the two flavors, the one flavor in the middle I'm getting is a little bit of marshmallow. And at the end, it's like a bitterness of a cocoa nib, which I believe they use cocoa nibs in this. Um, so I feel like I'm picking up the two flavors that neither of you got at all, which is kind of funny. Yeah, we're we're all across the board. So to my palate, I get some booziness that, that nobody mentioned. I don't I don't know if you picked that up, but it, it seems higher to me than than maybe the six point five percent would uh, sort of suggest. Um, and then I get a lot of cinnamon and chocolate, um, and, and sort of less of the graham cracker that I was hoping uh, that would come through. Wes, you and I recently shared a uh, Drecker raspberry cobbler that sort of had an amazing taste of like the entire pie up and through the crust. And so it's, it's one of those things now that I'm just on the hunt to, to find again. Um, and I wish I picked that up. I also got zero of the vanilla bean. So I would agree with all of you that I think it's, it's lighter and, and not quite as powerful as I was expecting with it being a s'more beer. Um, so 
it it's decent, but I wouldn't say that, that I love it. I do appreciate a lower ABV stout because there are some stouts that that you'll try that just have that are loaded, right? Like nine, ten percent. Um, so it's nicer to have a, a lower ABV and lower it's still six point five percent. So it's not like you're right. You know, yeah, it's, it's not it's, full. it's not a sessionable setup stout by any means. Yeah, I definitely I appreciate the smoothness of it. It being a milk style, like I definitely it drinks really easily. The aftertaste lingers a little bit, but like it, you know, you can drink it pretty quick as good mouthfeel. Like it's just a, a good smooth beer, but I, it's kind of surprising that we all are, are finding different things in it <laughs> and yep. not finding the yeah. other things that everyone else has mentioned. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and jump into our first topic, which sort of covers the, the history of beer advertising. So we'll, we'll settle in here for, for a minute. Um, in the beginning, beer advertising was relatively minimal up until about 1910, um, when a lot of the anti-saloon league and, and others began pushing sort of that initial push toward prohibition. Uh, everybody sort of realized that, that they needed to defend themselves a bit. Uh, at that point, sort of all the brewers banded together with their ads, sort of directly trying to appeal to consumers, Congress, officials, uh, pretty much anyone they could in order to, to try to w- find a way to survive. Um, Everyone took a different approach. Some of those more truthful than others. Um, I I think some of you are are probably familiar with a few of these. Um, At one point, PBR actually tried to rebrand as a healthy beverage that promoted sobriety. So our ABV is so low, you can drink a few of these and and you actually won't be all that drunk. So it's not that bad. Kind of a, (laughs) a weird, a weird, a weird way in. I thought they might go with our beer is so bad. You won't want to drink it anymore. So you'll stay sober. They, if you would have been around, Andy, you you may have saved everyone if, with with that one. True. In 1914, uh, in connection with some of their like minimal earlier ads, Budweiser actually used popular historical moments and World War One heroes, um, and what they wanted to call "fight for liberty." So, some examples of that is like beer on the Mayflower um, and world's decisive battles won by beer drinkers. Basically anything they could pull at that would say something like, you know, people who are awesome drink beer, like, please don't get rid of this. You will take away some of their awesomeness, which I, I also kind of found funny. That, 19- I mean, I, I, I can see that there, I mean, I can remember some now that still kind of play on that theme yeah. of, you know, that, that kind of that hero and, and you just, you know, hero or legend or something like that, they like really play up to that. And it's like, if, if they did it, you should do it too. Real man of genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, 1915, Philadelphia Brewers Association actually started the, the first series of, series of ads that really pushed back on uh, so a prohibition argument. Um, and they started a series called Facts Versus Fallacies that really just every single, I think it was actually every other week, they would actually push out a new ad that would just go in to argue with some of those political arguments. Um, so that started getting really, you know, nobody really had the facts, but they were trying to use facts to, to help make their argument. Um, and then to me, the, the even funnier one is in 1916, Budweiser introduced some ads labeling beer as liquid bread. The suggestion here was that because beer and bread come from the exact same ingredients, they are nutritionally <laughs> the same. And so if you're going to ban beer, you also have to ban bread. 
I don't know if any of you agree with that. We could make that argument. It might help you if you're arguing against prohibition, but otherwise, I don't know if uh, if it, that takes you all that far. Yeah, I, I love bread. And I love <laughs> beer, so I don't want to get rid of either of them. Exactly. Um, I, I don't think I would have fared too well in this uh, this time period. I love both as well, but if I eat too much bread, I'm just going to be a little slower and nauseous. I don't know if I'm going to be uh, stumbling down the road and hung over the next day. So. <laughs> Slower I get where they're coming from, but yeah, uh, those tie together. Yeah. <laughs> well, a, as you guys know, uh, none of that worked. And from 1920 to 1933, the U.S. was, I'll do some air quotes, a, a dry country. Um, but while the U.S. would take a little bit of time to recover, 1930s was a time when uh, really Guinness, um, as one of the bigger beer brands, started running some of their most iconic ads. I know we've seen a ton of them. A few of us had, or I think all of us actually have had a chance to go through the Guinness factory and see some of those old advertisements for ourselves. Um, it, there are some really great ones. A Guinness a day, my goodness, Guinness and Guinness and Guinness for strength, just to name a few. Um, Rob, I know you were over there for, for time and, and got to actually study some of these. So that was probably relatively interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. One of the classes I actually took while I was over there was a marketing course and uh, a good majority of the course was spent studying or centered around Guinness. And I do remember one class in particular that all we did was watch Guinness commercials. And it was actually kind of brutal uh, because it, it was like torture throughout the entire hour long or however long the, the class was. Uh, and one of the very last commercials they showed us was, I don't know if you guys remember this one, is definitely, uh, they played it a lot in Europe, but they, uh, the 60 second or two minute long commercial was a Guinness being poured and then just setting it on like a, a bar and waiting for it to settle. And so I remember my buddy and I just sitting in the back of the class watching this Guinness settling and we both reached in our pocket, pulled out four euros and we knew as soon as we got out of class, we were going straight to the pub to grab a, a pint. Uh, those, so those really cool. Those were the ads, Rob, that I think the tagline was like worth the wait. Worth the wait. So it was like, yeah. I'll show you the whole the whole two minutes of this thing having to sit here. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, sort of jumping into to where similarly we stand with today. Um, it actually wasn't until 1945, uh, but there was a New England um, baseball team that was sort of the first to telecast uh, beer as a sponsorship. Um, I believe it actually tied into to the Boston Red Sox. No one was confident that it would work so much so that Red, the Red Sox actually gave the sponsorship away from for free. Um, and sort of the, the one big quote that I could find was that we don't know what we're doing and neither do you. So let's see what happens and, and we'll go from there. Spoiler, like it worked um, and beer advertising has sort of been on a tear since then. As soon as they figured out that, you know, it's all the people sitting around watching sports who are also cracking open a beer. So just from, from that standpoint, you now pretty much see beer advertisement in probably every single sporting event that you watch in terms of, uh, in, in terms of advertising. The one interesting piece to sort of jump off of that, and in, in comparison to some of the things that I mentioned about prohibition, the First Amendment sort of heavily protects beer advertisements to the point where they're actually really aren't any rules at all, which I, I found bizarre. Um, I feel like I imagined that there were a ton of rules that everyone had to follow, and, and it really isn't the case. Most 
beer uh, brewers have sort of just agreed to some self-imposed guidelines. I've simplified those down and, and there's sort of four of them. One, don't suggest that people not comply with existing laws. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Ads should be in good taste and reflect that brewers are responsible corporate citizens, which they probably want to be anyway. Brewers strongly oppose abuse of their products. So you've probably seen a ton of those enjoy in moderation uh, type ads. And then lastly, if it can be helped, no more than specifically 28.4% of the ad audience may consist of people under 21. That's only if they can help it because as an example, you know, plenty of kids are watching the Super Bowl and there are plenty of beer ads. Um, so it's not really a fast and hard rule and, and there's not a ton around it. The reality of it is that TV networks sort of hold brewers accountable. So while there isn't really that national pol policy, the networks have set their own standards and all, all brewers are sort of afraid of stirring things up and causing the need for some sort of actual law. So they all kind of fall into place just based on fear of, of not wanting to have to follow um, some sort of governmental rule, um, which I thought was sort of interesting and hadn't really thought about it that way in, until I was doing some of the research for this episode. The 28.4 seems very specific. It does. Yeah, and it does. that's not like, that's not regulated. That's, it's a random number that sort of everybody came up with that seemed good. I'm sure there's more math behind it. And like, why not 33.3? <laughs> like, why not a third? Like, I don't you understand. Should suggest it. <laughs> but that's a little bit of a background just around sort of the history of it. Now I kind of want to jump into some of the great beer ads that some of us grew up seeing, um, some of the, that we're still seeing to this day. Um, and what sort of what about them makes them catch your attention and, and makes them memorable to you? So I'll go ahead and, and sort of kick this off with, uh, with Andy and, and see some, some of what, what you think are make a good beer ad. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of what I think makes a good beer ad, I mean, uh, I think the industry is not one to take itself too seriously. And so lighthearted is good. Fun, like a lot of times you see the focus is on comedy. So you have like funny beer ads, which always are going to stand out. But kind of uh, tying back in topic one, Josh, a little bit about the history. One example of advertising that I found was kind of almost like making up for past errors. Uh, but in 2019, Budweiser kind of redesigned some of their old, slightly more um, sexist ads towards women and worked with female artists to um, redesign them and re-release them uh, to modernize them, make them more appropriate for the time. Um, as part of International Women's Day. So they ran in like major newspapers around the country. I thought that was a a good step um, in the right direction in terms of their advertising. I don't think it obviously doesn't make up for what had previously been done, but I think that's a positive nod um, to, to shifting kind of societal views and what we feel is appropriate now. You know, kind of jumping into some more kind of light lighthearted stuff. I think two that really stand out to me one is a little bit more of, a, of an ad campaign and one's more experiential marketing. But Deschutes Brewing out of uh, Oregon, last year in 2019, they came out with a um, ad campaign titled It Comes With The Territory. And they produced uh, like digital video, radio ads, and out-of-home advertising, all basically tying in um, the idea that since marijuana is legal, like let's just jump on that bandwagon. Like what is your favorite thing to do if you're not taking part in 
you know, either consuming or smoking marijuana, like it's going to be drinking <laughs> beer if you're in the Pacific Northwest. So they had a couple like almost like infomercial commercials with a kind of, you know, older um, woman, kind of Martha Stewart, like talking about, you know, what she likes to pair with her edibles. And I thought that was a really great campaign, just like really kind of still lighthearted and still funny, but just kind of like, you know, tying into to what's really relevant and, and happening in the country right now. And then the kind of more experiential example that I came across is the uh, main brewers guild back in actually 2017. It's something they've been doing for the past three years. They created the main beer box, which is a basically 40 foot shipping container that was outfit oh, with, uh, 78 beer taps and a capacity to hold 400 kegs and they would actually ship it around the country or around the world uh, in 2017 they shipped it to Iceland they put it on a shipping container like a container ship shipped it to Iceland in 2018 they, they took it to an international beer festival in England and then in 2019 they sent it to Canada so obviously that was probably a little bit more driven uh, for Maine <laughs> But part of what they've done, they, they, you know, they really try to make it um, this like international beer trade. So they, they fill it with their beer, you know, from the local brewers in Maine. And then on at least one occasion, it was sent back full, but of other beer from the oh, breweries in the awesome. area where they were. So it like helps with like create that like international beer trade. And I know it's not necessarily a specific brewery that did that, but I thought that was a really fun, great idea, way to spread kind of the collective knowledge of your region of beer. And obviously we, we've talked about Maine Beer Company on this podcast many times, and, and there's good beer that's made up there. Um, one thing that did stand out to me though, is that on the website, it is available for rent. So if we uh, get bold enough and get enough money and we find the right location, we could, uh, maybe invest a little bit in a, uh, a main beer box. This uh, sounds like could, a barge brewing partnership. Exactly. Opportunity. I've ever heard one. Andy, this is right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. That's the surf and turf right there. <laughs> Josh, I will say I, I really enjoyed preparing for this episode because it was really fun to go through all the different ads that, that we have just been, you know, I, I guess grew up with or, or have been watching for the last, you know, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And the, I'd say I'll just call out a couple. One that I have always liked and super popular is The Most Interesting Man in the World by Dos Equis. The campaign ran for 12 years uh, from 2008, 2006 to 2018. Uh, really popular. And that's, that's, I mean, one of the reasons they didn't end it and they just kept it going. Um, and I think more recently, the Dilly Dilly campaign by Bud Light. I, I really enjoy that one just because it's it's humorous. And uh, yeah, I think they just do a great job of uh, keeping the storyline going. Yeah, I mean, Rob, to just kind of build on what you're saying, I, I think the best ones, and, and I think you would all agree, I think some of the best ones are the ones you at least remember. And when, when Josh brought this episode up, you probably jumped right to your head are the ones that had the really good slogans. Like you just brought up Dilly Dilly. Do you think Dilly Dilly would have been so good if they didn't have like <laughs> such a funny thing that they said? Like if they were just saying like one word, it would have been so repeatable. And that that's so true with like, uh, it's the same thing with the what's up? 
or the most interesting man in the world that you just brought up that is he says at the end i don't always drink beer but when i do i drink dos Equis. and everybody knows what you're talking about when you say mm-hmm. that you don't have to be like the most interesting man in the world they know that same thing with like bush <laughs> you know that and you remember it and people remember it because that one little part of it it's just so funny and like i feel like one of the biggest parts of it is it's is bring humor in it or bring a good commercial but like that catchy slogan is what really sticks in our minds. And like, and, and those are, especially those Super Bowl ads, those are the ones you remember forever. Cause that, that damn slogan, is just like drilled into the back of your head somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You can always expect it, you know, for a Super Bowl, there's going to be some Clydesdales coming from somewhere. Right. And there, it's going to be <laughs> traditional and it's going to be, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's just a bud campaign that, that will live on forever. Um, another one I'll call out, uh, you know, if, if anyone ever says to you, find your beach or I found my beach, you know, exactly what beer they're talking about, right? Right along the yeah. lines you're talking about there, Wes. I don't, one thing I'll, one thing I want to point out and Wes, you brought it up kind of talking about Super Bowl, the different taglines, especially around the Super Bowl, you see these commercials that are star studded lineups. Obviously the big brands do it, but they just pull in every major celebrity to do a commercial and those fall flat compared to the ones that are just like dilly dilly and bush (laughs) and like all these other just like very simple like something that's simple and you can remember is always going to stand out to you more so than a star-studded lineup Uh, the only argument i'd put against that and you guys might not even know this but one of my favorite beer ads i've ever seen favorite beer commercials i've ever seen is will ferrell and it's 30 seconds of Will Ferrell slowly walk. Sorry, it's 29 seconds of Will Ferrell walking slowly through a field up to the camera. And then right when he gets to the camera, he goes, Milwaukee's. <laughs> and it says, or, so, so I think it's old Milwaukee. Old Milwaukee. Just ends because he ran, they ran out of their 30 seconds. That's a hilarious ad. The entire old Milwaukee campaign is just fantastic. Andy and yeah. I were trading a bunch of videos before this, uh, reminiscing of of some of those old commercials. And and Wes, to your point, I think the the you know figuring out and Andy, your point as well is the celebrity versus just that tagline is I think they all want to give you something that you can joke about with your friends at a bar after you've had two beers. Um, and all of a sudden you're saying dilly dilly, which makes no sense, but it's still sort of funny in the context of like what you're actually doing in, in the commercial itself. Every time someone says that, I feel like I should be raising my glass and cheersing. I know some people also like hated that campaign and sort of made fun of it. So there's there's like always a flip side, but I think most people who like enjoy a cheap beer probably thought that ad was hilarious. Marshall. <laughs> Yeah, but they're talking about it. That's exactly. the whole thing. Even if you didn't like it, you're still thinking about it. All right. So let's uh, let's jump out of sort of the, the traditional uh, old school TV ads and, and talk a little bit about social media and beer. Um, so it, it's obviously growing as is with every sort of medium, but kind of everybody needing to be on social media, find a way to, to get out there and, and in front of people who, who are start sort of slowly going away from the TV and, and more moving onto their phone. Um, is there anything specific you want to call out about social media? Do you have any favorite accounts or, or do's and don'ts from some of the brands that, that maybe you've been seeing? I mean, I, I think my biggest one with social media is it's just, it's the medium that allows any size of brewery to advertise. 
because we're, we're just sitting here talking about these amazing, hilarious, probably multi-million dollar ads, especially if you're talking about Super Bowl, it's multi, multi, multi-million dollar ads. The cool thing about social media is any brewery can get on there and do it. They can, all you have to do is get a phone, take a picture of beer, and you can put it on there. It just kind of allows us to see more what's out there. It allows the small guys to get some advertising out there. And if they do it well enough, honestly, you just have somebody who can make a witty comment and take a really good picture. You can become huge on social media without spending very much money. So it's just kind of a cool, it's a, it's a medium that we can see the craft brewers that we all love kind of get out there a little bit more. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add on to that. I, I typically use uh, social media or follow uh, beer accounts on social media, mainly for, like you said, Wes, for the local aspect. So mainly for updates on any new releases and just upcoming local events that might be happening either at breweries or, uh, you know, local bars or something of that sort. Yeah. You want to see the personality of the, of the brewery. That mm-hmm. is part of what makes you want to go there when you see the type of personality that the company and the brand has, and that that's going to filter down through the people, through the employees, through the people that are drawn to the brewery and to drink that beer. You know, I would say a perfect example of that kind of behind the scenes, keeping it light, let the community know who you are. Um, Earlier this year, Austin beer works um, out of Austin, Texas, a brewery that, that I'm a big fan of. They did an employee takeover of their Instagram account. And it just got very absurd and just kept (laughs) it super light, but they just basically passed around, you know, whichever phone they had the account on for that day. And I mean, I'm still thinking about it, still talking about it now, like that stood out to me, but that is something that I really gravitate towards that, that behind the scenes, I want to know that personality. I think a, a good example to me of sort of bringing out some of that personality is Voodoo Ranger. Um, I, I, I actually don't know when they first started this, but they sort of turned their um, little skeleton dude into a, a full-on personality, um, kind of revolve everything around that now. And, and they have all sorts of really cool art within their Instagram. Um, that back to your point, Rob, sort of it's entertaining. I find it cool. And it's also informing me when they have something new or something for me to go and, and seek out. Um, so I, I think that's a, a decent job of, of trying to do both of those things. Yeah, I always find that, craft beer accounts seem very accessible as brands to people they'll respond like they'll you know message you back quickly you know it's a person and not just some like hired out agency staff member or some like chat bot that's going to respond to you they'll you know they keep it light they're they're humans too and they want you know they're looking for business and you're looking for good beer and that it's a good place for for that kind of communication to happen just to take it past the brands as well it's just nice to be it's it's the the cool thing about it is it gives us us i mean the four of us have each other that we talk about craft beer with each other and but it kind of honestly i don't know about you guys but then i talk to my other friends and they're just like hey shut the fuck up about beer i don't (laughs) care that much i just want the beer they have like what beer do they have give it to me i'll drink it but (laughs) On social media, Instagram gives me the ability to like follow other accounts and see other people, what they're drinking, how they like it, if they're rating it well, who has the cool labels, and I can follow somebody in the Northeast and see what the releases are happening out there. I might never get that beer, but it's interesting to see trends and stuff, and you can follow people all over the country. It's just cool to 
have that little bit of community online and, and through social media to be able to see other people like us who are kind of obsessed with craft beer, you know? Wes, I, I enjoy that aspect of it even more so than the brands. Um, there, there's a couple people specifically that, that I would call out um, being Ben Brewdaddy and at Ellie Tracks who sort of merge interesting photography with those beer reviews. Um, so to me, that's, it, it brings some of the art. So I'm, I'm loving beer can art and I still want to know, is it a good beer? Is it something I should bother going and tracking down? I, I like the, the merging of those two things. And then from a like fun, maybe lesser known, um, there's a uh, Instagram handle called Year of Beers. Um, and they actually redraw all the beer can art on top of their reviews. So you, you get a, another artistic take on top of the already sort of creative beer can labels. Uh, and another one, if you haven't seen it, uh, Beer Labels in Action, they actually take beer can art and apply animation to it. Um, so if you had like a rocket ship on your beer can, the it'll actually be a video of the rocket ship taking off of that beer can and like disappearing out of the frame. Um, so it, it's not just necessarily, I, I love beer and, and I'm always interested in understanding, you know, what's new and, and what people are enjoying. But I like the artistic aspect of it that people kind of take something that no one would think to do and, and apply it and, and try to make it something that's their own. Well, and of course, the uh, best beer Instagram out there, right? Ours. The, yeah, ours. The Bruce Day, <laughs> the Bruce Day Review, guys. Come on. <laughs> Waiting for the shameless plug. Yeah, was, <laughs> there do I have is. to do this? Someone say it. <laughs> the entire episode. It was centered around that moment <laughs> yeah. right there. Just building up to that. That was a pretty bad buildup, if that yeah. was the end, though. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought the shameless pl- I thought the shameless plug was my advertisement in the break. It's huh? also that, that is true. <laughs> Until we get a sponsor, we're our own sponsor. <laughs> All right, and we will bring it back from last be- week, but we will uh, we'll jump into sort of our pop quiz uh, pop quiz time. Um, and I have a few different facts from. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! You're not going to do the Andy intro to this one. Andy, can Andy? Yeah, do you my have to. No, no, no! You have to do oh, it. You're hosting. Yeah, if you're going to do trivia, you got to do the Andy intro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to bust this out on you in the middle of the episode, <laughs> but. <laughs> Well, with that, we will go into our second annual Bruise Day Trivia. Jumping into that right now. This is all I've got, so you're going to have to deal with it. We'll take it. Perfect. It was something. It was something. First question, the first Super Bowl beer ad. Your guess at either which Super Bowl or year. I'll take either answer. And which brand it was. Super Bowl three, Schlitz. Oh, I was going to say Schlitz too. Um, I'm actually going to go like, I'm going to go Super Bowl six and I'm going to go Colt 45. Oh, whoa. Okay. I'm going to go with a Miller Genuine Draft. It's a good guess. Super Bowl nine. West, you did your research. It was Super Bowl three, 1969. When you're out of Schlitz, you're out of beer. Yes, wow. yes, yes. <laughs> I actually knew the answer. Also, okay, can we go back to Colt 45? How did nobody <laughs> mention Lando Calrissian Colt 45 ads in all the bars? It might not be an 
that might not be a, a actual commercial, but their <laughs> signs, their Lando Calrissian signs with Colt Forty Five are like the coolest beer signs or bar signs that there are. Yes, they're they're one of the ones that are still sold like to this day for people to set up in in their home bar just because of of how memorable they were. So awesome. All right, so uh, a few of you guessed some otherwise, but we didn't see the big brand of Budweiser or Miller High Life until which Super Bowl? 34, 17. I was going to say 12. And you're the closest. It was Super Bowl nine. And oh, the, uh, the wow. odd fact is they were both very odd ads, but they were ski themed, which really has nothing to do with, with Super Bowl time. <laughs> I mean, it's February, right, Jane? What time of year was the Super Bowl at that time of year? Late February, I believe. Okay. That's still ski season. Okay. When did the Budweiser frogs come about? Oh, shit. 92. 97. I'm going to split it and say 94. I don't know who gave this to. It was 1995, Super Bowl 29. Damn, I was oh. between 94 and 95 on my split. <laughs> yeah, your, your split was, your 90, split was you, close. Wes, you meant the 94 95 season. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Wes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and read this because Wes already named it as one of his favorites. But in Super Bowl twenty, uh, su- sorry, Super Bowl forty seven, which was two thousand thirteen, uh, what beer company did Will Ferrell march through the field of flowers to promote? Old Milwaukee. Old Milwaukee. Jinx, give me a beer. I oh, know I said it first. I think it's Old Milwaukee. I, oh, Wes got it right. <laughs> got it also. <laughs> The, the fun fact about that ad, Wes, is that it actually only ran in the state of Nebraska and then got popular oh, from there uh, from Super Bowl. So they only spent a very little amount of money to, uh, to actually get it out there. In one of those like regional ad slots. <laughs> yep. And last question. The what's up, guys, for Bud. What Super Bowl or year was that? 2001. I'm going to go 1999. I'm going to split the difference here and go 2000. <laughs> Rob, splitting the difference worked out for you this time around. It was 2000, which was Super Bowl 34. Damn it. So close. Maybe they were really trying to say Y2K instead of was. <laughs> wow. I don't, th- I don't think so. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Yikes. Ooh. You want to you cut that part out? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the end of uh, my crappy trivia. And uh, after this, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our unique beer of the week. Hey there. Thanks for checking out the Brews Day podcast. For more content or to leave a comment, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at the Brews Day. And for your daily dose of beer photos and reviews, check us out on Instagram at the Brews Day Review. Cheers. And now back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. We have our unique beer of the week. I will actually jump in first here. Um, I have the Power of Flight, uh, which is an IPA from El Segundo Brewing in El Segundo, California. It's a six. So jealous. I'm really glad that I'm here right now. Uh, it's a 6.4% ABV, only 80 check-ins so far at a 3.76. Uh, it's a unique for all of us. It's a West Coast IPA with El Dorado and Amarillo. Um, just really excited to uh, have an El Segundo beer fresh uh, here here in the hometown. Yeah, Josh, I'll say it again. I'm really jealous. I'm real jealous. Are you really sp- jealous? Are you really jealous or really, really jealous? I'm I'm so jealous. I'm jelly. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Not a hundred percent sure what that means, but um, it, <laughs> uh, initial sips. It, it's really good. It, it is a West coast IPA has a bit more funk to it than, than I maybe expected. So I can kind of see where that three, seven, six is coming in. Um, I'm probably just a tad bit higher than that. Maybe a three, eight or a three, nine. Well, I'll jump in next, Josh. I'm drinking a dreamland American lager from rogue ales out of Newport, Oregon, 4.8% ABV. 14 IBU, as the name calls it out, it's a lager. It has a 3.5 average on untapped with over 7,600 check-ins. This is a unique for all of us. This beer was released uh, in early 2020. Actually, uh, the proceeds or portions of proceeds from the sale of this beer actually have gone to um, or towards the improvement of a local skate park in Newport, Oregon, in the community. And so the can art has, you know, a skateboarder on there. It's, it's really cool can design. It's available around the country. It's you know, going to be an annual beer, but they're kind of expanding on that effort to support local skate parks. And they're going to be donating proceeds to help the improvement and development of skate parks around the world. So uh, good, great cause for the beer. Awesome can art, pretty straightforward lager, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. I'm probably right around the three, five, three, six. It's just like a good crisp lager. That feels like a branching out for them just because I think when I think rogue ales, I, I don't think of a lager. So um, it, it's cool that they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. So I'm pretty stoked. My good friend Wesley <laughs> sent over a Ren House beer. And I'm stoked to be able to drink it this evening. So I have the Imperial, a double IPA by Renhouse out of Phoenix, uh, Arizona. It's a 9% ABV. At least that's what Untapped listed as. If you look in the comment, it actually notes it as 8.8. So I don't know if Untapped is just rounding it up or not. Uh, 90 IBU. It has a 4.0 Untapped average with 491 check-ins. And of those 491 check-ins, Andy and Josh, you make up two of those. Josh, you gave it a 4.0. Andy, you gave it a 4.2. I'm enjoying this one. It is. It reminds me of a lot of other Imperials I've had before. It's nothing that, you know, I'm, I don't know if that I'd be, you know, immediately jumping on a plane to get to Phoenix to, to check this in. Cause I know Wes, you rave about uh Ren house beers. So if I actually went to Ren house, I'd probably go with something else instead of this one, but I do really enjoy this. I appreciate you sending this over. Yeah, and and to be clear, this uh, just so you guys know, this is kind of a throwback for Renhouse. They this is one of their fir- like early beers that they did, and just because they're over four years old now, they they actually just remade it and re released it, and they very clearly in their description call it just a good old American double IPA. They weren't trying to like blow anybody out of the water with this one. This one's just like a nice standard double IPA, which I agree with. It is just a nice classic flavor. It's got a little bit of fruitiness in there that makes it a little bit different, but it's a pretty just classic flavor to it with uh, some good hoppiness. And I, I really like it. I had it pretty recently, Rob. And, and I think the reason that I, I sort of was stuck around a four, and I think you mentioned Andy gave it a 4.2, was it was it a, it was a bit more on the multi side. Um, and it wasn't necessarily something I was 100% expecting. It was still good, but I think that's what sort of held my, held my score from going up any higher. 
Yeah, and I guess I should probably mention that I'm actually also drinking this with Rob. I, I think my rating, I, I really like it. Like I said, I think my rating's probably right around a, a 4-2, right with Andy. It's, it's a great beer. All right, with that, we will move on to the big board. Don't have to spend a ton of time on it. It was uh, the Masters. Uh, I actually got to watch a decent amount of it. Um, I, I felt like it was something that, uh, that brought me a little bit back to normalcy. Uh, usually I'm watching it in the office. This time around, I got to watch it from home, so I got to watch it on an even bigger screen. We'll we'll start with uh, we'll go ahead and start with first place. Rob, nice work. Uh, the the two favorites sort of brought you home. Uh, actually, well, I guess that's not true. Bryson was the the odds-on favorite. Uh, he got you and I a thirty-fourth place, um, but Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas sort of brought you home and, and gave you the win there. Can I just interject? How happy will rob you, but really, how happy was Bryson DeChambeau on Friday when they rain delayed that fucking tournament? <laughs> yeah. He was a train wreck. He was not going to make the cut. He was all he was doing was getting worse, and they delayed it. He came back Saturday morning, got himself back into the above the cut line, and finished off. I just I just wanted to point that out because he was. I was sure he was missing the cut as of don't, like mid Friday. Don't hold me to this, but I think his bogey on the last hole brought the cut line from one under to even. So like by him losing, it actually let more people back in. <laughs> by him losing a hole, it allowed more people back into it. I don't know. He he looked bad on Thursday and Friday. Uh, <laughs> I mean, search parties were following him on the course uh, to help find that ball. Uh, and thankfully he did make the cut because, uh, Josh, I think it, it certainly propelled me to get to first or helped me, uh, get to first. And for you, it kept you out of being in last place. It did keep me out of last place. Wes, you picked up second Brooks brought you back. So he got up to seventh along with Justin Thomas and, and Tony, who was, uh, was deeper down, but he also made the cut, which I think was, was the biggest, uh, the impact there. Um, I picked up third to your point with Bryson, John Ram, and Xander. Um, and Andy, unfortunately, Jason Day held you back. It was partially, I believe, part of the rain delay that Wes was talking about. Yeah, um, I, I think he would have made the cut if, if that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, he got the um, opposite effect. Yeah, so I, I blame the rain delay. Well, I I recall at the end of the day on Friday, just looking at the the scoreboard on ESPN and not really paying too much <laughs> attention to it and seeing where he was. And I was like, oh, he's in, no worries. Like, I'm not worried about it at all. And then uh, unbeknownst to me at that <laughs> time was that they needed to finish on Saturday morning and then he fell out of grace. So yeah, I'll, I'll take my loss. It's my first in a while. <laughs> you don't really have another choice. <laughs> <laughs> You're only allowed to take that. There's, there's uh, no appeal process for this? No. You can appeal directly to the masters. Let's see if they'll change the results. But I, I yeah, doubt call Jason Day. <laughs> also uh rob i would just like to point out that i do like to talk shit but you're you're picking the top ranked people seems to work so i'll give you a little bit of credit there but i need to shut my mouth because the more i talk <laughs> shit about your picks the better you do i swear to god every time on this podcast i've called you out and made fun of your picks you have won immediately the next week we can go back and check the records but <laughs> i need to just stop making fun of your picks <laughs> The key I, to victory. 
I did. I do feel like I enjoyed this Masters because I only remembered my three picks and I completely forgot who you guys selected. And had I had I remembered or even looked to see who you guys had picked, I feel like I would have been stressed all weekend watching it. But otherwise, I, I would. I was just enjoying it. It was really cool to have the Masters on on a football weekend. You know, in the middle of of November you know, just never see this. It was actually really cool on Saturday to have game day at the masters. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. Well, and we might get another masters tournament in five months from now, given they, uh, they delayed the first one. So we, we could get a lot of masters here within a six month time period. So real quick, uh, we will run through our big board ranking update. Uh, Rob, you held on to first place with a total of 44 points uh, with 10 points across your last five weeks. Uh, with the current rankings, uh, we actually have a tie for second place. Shocker, it's not me. Uh, but between Wes and Andy, you've got both got 34 points. Andy, uh, do I get to say that I now closed on you? Yes, you can. I've yes, plateaued. You can All right. I'm plateauing. <laughs> Wes, you have eight points over the last five weeks. Andy still has an impressive 12 points over the last five weeks. So he, he is also gaining uh, regardless of how you want to look at it. And I'm just sort of hanging out. I've got a total of 24 points. So I'm, I'm 10 points behind you both um, with five points over my last five weeks. So hanging in with like a third place, like consistency. I think you have guaranteed not winning this season. If we're yeah. calling the end of the year, the season. Yeah, unless we unless we do some wild side bets, I think I'm out. <laughs> Can we pause for a second? So looking at the big board rankings, it looks like um, just at the tab, it looks like um, I forget how we how did we decide if you get a tie? Shouldn't it be two points? Well, no, you take you each take the point on the. For this season, it's you take the point of where you ended up. Well, what, so why, why are you talking about ties? About? Yeah, you're, you're oh, only we are just I'm sorry. Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry about that. That's fine. Right. I they want to have a, a. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Math's hard. I know. <laughs> All right. So this week for the big board, we are doing the 2020 ATP Finals. So that is the major turn, uh, tennis tournament going on in London in the O2 Arena. These sort of awkwardly are our best of three, which I, I sort of thought was interesting. Um, we are going to do the two different matchups that occur this Friday. Uh, so we have Novak and Alexander, uh, Serbia and Germany. And then we have Medvedev. Yeah, we have Daniil and Diago uh, in the second matchup. And then what we're going to do for the uh, for the tiebreaker is we're going to do total games one across those sets. Um, so as an example, if it's six, seven, six, seven, um, you would have 20 sort of total points across that one game. With that said, uh, we happen to know that Rob had first place. So none of us, I would say, follow tennis extremely closely. So we'll be very interested to see uh, see how you kick us off. <laughs> All right, yeah. So uh, I will be taking uh, Djokovic and Medvedev, and total games for tiebreaker. So I guess it's anywhere between what twenty four and what did we say seventy eight, something like that. Yep. 
You can go next. higher if you want. So I will take 40 games total in my tiebreaker. Interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, I think I'm next. Um, I am also taking Djokovic and Medvedev. I wrote this down. It was just a really random, in my head, probably nonsensical math. Uh, but 49 games for the tiebreaker. Ooh. I'm relying on Djokovic doing pretty well in that first one. Oh, you guys didn't give me a whole lot of, of wiggle room. I'm going to go actually the same exact picks, and I'm going to hope that there, there are a bit more wins, and I'm going to go 39. Well, the pressure's on. This is going to be a big tiebreaker one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really worried where Andy's going here. Uh, so I'm trying to like, I'm trying to do some math in my head right now. Because if there's the, the same pick in 50 might be the way to go. Well, I mean, the, the minimum. Shut your mouth. Yeah. What yeah. about 38? <laughs> Lower in the 30s. Gosh. Uh, let's see. I think that, well, so I'm going to take Djokovic and I'm going to take Medvedev. I'm going to do the same okay. picks. Right. So yeah, it's going to come same. straight all, down to the tiebreaker. Tie so we're just doing a tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah. Real exciting here. <laughs> hey, that, you know, that's why we have the tiebreaker. Yeah. And well, I'm going to go 41. Damn it, Andy. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm going 41 games as a tiebreaker. Thank you, Andy. (laughs) Still, still leaving, still giving Wes some hope. All right, but uh, Wes is really just trying to help you and me out. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to help Rob out. (laughs) So really, I'm I'm pulling for. Well, the good news is I won't get last. (laughs) Uh, True. Yeah. Yeah. Unlikely that I will get first. All right, so let's uh, let's jump over to the lightning round. So we we talked a lot about uh, beer commercials earlier. Um, I have a few beer commercials that I'm going to sort of give you the option of rebooting and, and bringing back to life. Um, I'm going to give you one uh, two different commercials uh, that you could potentially remake, and you kind of have to let me know which of the two you want to star in and, and bring back to life. If if that all makes sense, Andy, I will go with you first. Um, okay. And your two are the current Corona Beach commercials where you would be replacing Snoop Dogg. Are these the Snoop Dogg and Bad Bunny ones or just Snoop you Dogg? Can, you can be with Bad Bunny if you want. Okay. It's up to you. And then the second, which I think we, we talked about, Wes, you mentioned it as, as being uh, one of your favorites, but the, uh, the old Bush. Bush commercials. Oh, you get I to the stand guy? in the river, you get to crack it open, and you can be the voiceover that just says Bush for as long as possible. Oh, for sure. I'm doing the Bush yeah, one. I don't even want to be the guy. It. I just want to be the voice. I want to be the Bush. <laughs> I've been shushing my way through my whole life. I think I got it down. <laughs> oh, also, awesome. no one can replace Snoop Dogg. No. Well, Maybe. Andy could replace him. Andy could. I believe in him. Yeah, I believe in him. All right, Wes, for you, I'm going to give you the option of the Dilly Dilly Bud Light King. So you can come up with your own sort of Dilly Dilly saying and, and the whole whole deal. Okay. Um, or, and, and possibly more interesting, but the most interesting man in the world. You can bring that back and you can be the most interesting man in the world. 
I gotta go with the most most interesting man in the world. Those commercials were so awesome. They made him look like a, just like the most interesting man <laughs> in the world. It'd just be fun to film. I'm going that. I, I I have to. Also, I think Rob just pointed out that commercial ran for like 12 years. So yeah, you're, gonna make you're set for life. Make a lot of money. Yeah, big <laughs> shoes to fill. Big yeah. shoes. You don't get that. You don't get very often, if ever, a send off in a commercial. Like the no. end yeah. of your your yeah. commercial career. Like they sent him into space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Josh, going that way for sure. Well, we're gonna go next for you. Okay. So you we'll leave Rob last. So your two commercials, one has already been mentioned. It's gonna be the Will Farrell walking through the field, 29-second old Milwaukee ad, where you would be in place of Will Farrell. The second option is the Bud Wiser frogs on the swamp. But you Do have I get to, to be a frog. You have to you select get to be the frog. a frog, but you get to select which frog you are. Interesting. Wow. Would it just be someone unexpected? No, I really like the idea of being a frog, but I, I feel like it's a more minimal role. Whereas I, I feel like I could very awkwardly walk through a field of flowers and like get cut off at the end. Um, I'm just picturing Josh. It's like Bud, frog, wise, frog, naked Josh on a lily pad. <laughs> or just the commercial ends. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a frog, and I'm gonna be the bud frog. That's a good. That's I feel good like you just changed frog. your mind after you <laughs> no, heard Wes's description. <laughs> no, well, yeah. Well, well maybe. That way, Wait, that way I could embody a frog, and it doesn't have to be me on TV. Which frog are you going with? The bud. The bud. The bud. Frog. Oh, sorry, I missed yeah, that. I got. Okay. I got to be the lead frog. You don't want to be the last frog that figures out Earth at the very end of the commercial. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard <laughs> line. <laughs> all right and rob picking up the uh, the end here i'm gonna give you two Uh, i have the bud what's up commercial so you can pick we could all be in your commercial you can pick your own friends whoever you want to be in it with you but uh that that's one of them and the second i'm gonna go a little bit odd i don't know if you remember the michelob ultra asmr commercial um, with the, the woman just in the middle of the tropical forest, like silently whispering into a microphone. But I'm going to give you that uh, as, a, as a second option. Is it Rob's hand clinking the glass? <laughs> yeah, next yeah. To the and then Rob just like whispering. <laughs> Do I need to grow my nails like, out a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I kind of like the attention of that one. It's just not well known. <laughs> <laughs> is it, it just going to be... Spot. Millions of people saw it. Is it just going to be me whispering into the same is it the same scene so same i'm whispering scene. in into the microphones tapping my fingernails on the glass and like rolling you, it on the if you want to do something else desk. weird with it you can but if yeah it's basically that spot i think i'm going that one <laughs> although what's up just sounds great people uh, still know what today if you just yell what's up they know what you're talking about so uh, uh, it's hard yeah, I feel like I always choose wrong in these lightning rounds. No, it's fine. You're the There's ASMR. No wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> got Rob, I definitely feel now. like if it was going to be one that would just fits with kind of something that you may end up be doing, but like watching the game, having a bud is pretty much like your most go-to. weeknights or weekends. What, what's up just feels like a regular night. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I feel like I'm remaking that commercial all the time. <laughs> well, and to, to your defense, you're basically shooting a, I'm sure it takes a whole week to do this, but you get to just go to a tropical island and hang out. Yeah, that works. I'm <laughs> in for that. <laughs> all right. So let's end this uh, how we how we normally do with uh, good, bad, and ugly of the week. Do uh, one of you have something you want to kick off us, kick us off with? Yeah, Josh, I'll, I'll go with some bads. Um, I hope, I hope this is a change in your goddamn two week in a row. Good. <laughs> Please say it is. Oh, it's the exact opposite yes. of, of the last yes. two weeks goods because I both got dead last in the big board and I lost in fantasy football by four points uh, with my defense scoring negative three. So <laughs> on Thursday too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you had to wait a whole week. With oh, yeah, I knew going. I knew going into the weekend, I was already in the yep. negative numbers. So those are uh, those are my those are my bads. I mean, I could switch it over to a good. Uh, my good is on Saturday night. I got to hang out with Josh, and we tried a couple Drecker uh, sour. I don't. What are they called? Are they slushy beers? They weren't as slushy as Josh or I thought they would be, but really freaking fun beers to drink they are very interesting like josh said one was raspberry cobbler the other one was like a marshmallow something and man they nail those flavors would i want to drink four of them no but is it really fun to drink those beers yes it, it was like it josh and i were just having conversations that raspberry cobbler literally tasted like you're eating pie it was really <laughs> cool we also try to a, a new stout from Goldwater Brewing uh, mm-hmm. here in Scottsdale. And it was just a fun night. We we hung out and drank some good beer. So my good for the week was the fact that uh, Masters was playing this past weekend. That was just awesome to hang out and all weekend. Uh, and Josh, like you said, it, it, felt, it, it felt different because it was on. Um, I was able to watch it on Thursday and Friday uh, outside of work. Usually, you know, it's on a computer screen when, when, yeah. I'm, when I'm sitting at work. So that was, that was a nice change. Uh, I'll, I'll sort of finish it off. I think Wes, you, you hit it on the head with uh, one of the the goods, which was just having some really good beer with somebody who also enjoys beer. Um, I think it's, it's something that I've been doing at home by myself, enjoying a beer, thinking about what I thought about it. Um, but it's just interesting to be able to talk about it with somebody else who sort of enjoys beer and, and talk about some of those intricacies. Um, so I thought that was very cool. Um, and then my other good, Andy sort of hit on it earlier. Um, I am back home in the Los Angeles area. Um, I've had a chance to pick up some of the newer beers from uh, my, my old favorite breweries uh, that I haven't had in a, in a while. Um, so my beer good is just the, uh, the couple six packs I have in my fridge um, that I'm very excited to work through and, and potentially bring some back home with me. All right. And we will, uh, we will finish this thing off the uh, same way we always do. Peace. Peace. Peace.